Welcome to the Voice Equals Power podcast, where we explore the big question, how does an artist find their voice? I'm your host, Nicholas Krolak. Today's episode is brought to you by South Jazz Kitchen. I'm incredibly honored to have one of the premier jazz clubs in the world supporting this podcast. I've been to South countless times, both as a performer and as an audience member and I always leave elevated, inspired, and grateful such a place exists right here in Philadelphia. Aside from the world-class talent they book, and aside from the amazing food they serve, my favorite aspect of this space is the dedicated listening room. I appreciate this so much, both as a musician and as a listener, and I know you will too. So if you haven't, please check them out at 600 North Broad Street. I guarantee you'll dig it. Today's guest is saxophonist Henry Turf. This young man has a truly impressive resume, including working with The Roots, Joey DeFrancesco, Chill Moody, Solange Knowles, Patti LaBelle, Jay Bratton, Robin Eubanks, Ted Nash, Killiam Shakespeare, and many other artists. Turf is also a two-time Outstanding Soloist winner at the Next Generation Jazz Festival. We had a great conversation in Fairmount Park about life on the road, playing in Philly horn sections, Roy Hargrove, his clothing line, practice routines, and much more. You can see Henry Turf every Tuesday at South Jazz Kitchen, where he co-leads the Tuesday Jam Session with vocalist Chelsea Reed. Turf. Yes, sir. Thanks for hanging out with me. Hey, thanks for having me here. We're uh, hanging out in Fairmount Park. A beautiful summer day. Yeah, man. It's a beautiful day here in Fairmount Park. Uh, I never really hung here before, so when you're talking about locations, I was like, huh, let's do it right here. Yeah. So. Yeah, Fairmount Park. I drove right past the Coltrane house on my way in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of historical uh, things that went down here. Uh, most recently, the legendary Roots Picnic uh, just took place here for the first time uh, a couple weeks back. And, uh, you know, such an iconic uh, festival here in the city. And, uh, you know, I'm glad they kind of took it out from uh, Columbus Boulevard, uh, the festival pier, and kind of made it more into a picnic atmosphere by having yeah. it here at Fairmount Park. So it's only right to do it here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you just got, got into town. Yes, uh, yesterday morning. Yeah, yeah, Yesterday yeah. morning. I was on the road with Patti LaBelle for a mm-hmm. little bit. Uh, we did Pittsburgh Jazz, Rochester Jazz, and some casino in Northfield, Ohio. Yeah. So that's that's been going real cool. Uh, I've been subbing with Patti LaBelle, a good friend of mine, Mike Burton, uh, great saxophonist from Atlanta, works with a lot of different people, Jill, uh, Patti, as I mentioned before, uh, he has his own brass band called uh, Good Times Brass Band, you know, he's all over the country, all over the world playing saxophone, ever since uh, last year, uh, you know, there's a couple of shows that, you know, uh, that he just needs substitutes for, and, you know, I was glad through him and through Jeff Bradshaw that, you know, they kind of gave me the oop. Cause this was my first tour ever. Oh, I wow. never been on. I never been on. I mean, I've done things with artists. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, some small things here and there. You know, salons here and there, the roots mm-hmm. here and there. But uh, to actually be on the road with a yeah. legendary artist, a legendary Philly artist, a legendary Philly artist that I grew up listening to. You know, this was such a honor, and uh, you know, it's been a good ride, and you know, there's still a little bit to go, mm-hmm. so it's gonna be a good time. You got another leg of the tour coming up? Yeah, we got a couple shows. We actually have a show in Philly uh, coming up at Parks Casino in the Ben Salem area. 
Uh, that's going to be on July 12th. And then that's the only local show that we have so far. And then we're going to be out of town for some more stuff. Mm-hmm. What kind of preparation goes into being on a tour like that, both for you individually mm-hmm. and as the group? I feel like a lot of people may not have a sense of of what goes into that. Right. Uh, well, me personally, I always want to study the artist. You know, all the records, mm-hmm. you know, all the music that the artist was inspired by, you know. Um, luckily with Patty, you know, I, you know, I grew up listening to, you know, Love and Need to Want You and Lady Marmalade and oh, If Only You Knew and all that kind of stuff. So that kind of stuff was kind of already, kind of already under my belt. Uh, so going into it, the only thing I really wanted to get was the whole, just the vibe, essentially, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the horn section, as I said, Mike Burton, Philly's own Jeff Bradshaw, Philly's own uh, Matt, Matt Cappy yeah. on trumpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jeff Bradshaw on trombone, Mike Burton on saxophone. And uh, so, you know, they kind of, each of them kind of put their own little spin on a couple of the Patty songs. Uh, so my goal, essentially, is to just walk in, because mind you, my first, I, I didn't tell a lot of people this, when I first walked into Patty, I didn't rehearse with the band. <laughs> I didn't rehearse with the band. I didn't rehearse with the the horn section, even though they're local. So mm-hmm. like, I really just walked in cold. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, I listened to a lot of different live recordings on YouTube. Uh, listened to a lot of rehearsal tapes that was sent to me. But you know, that stuff is all cool. But like, I still need to feel the atmosphere of the the band. Mind you, I'm the youngest cat in the band. Mm-hmm. Now everybody else is in their 50s. I'm only 24. You know what I'm saying? So like, mm-hmm. I just got, I you know, I didn't want to look like that young boy yeah. that was like, you know, just showing up thinking they can just wing anything. You know what I'm saying? So. But uh, yeah, but going with what I was trying to say before, my goal is essentially just be there and act like I've been there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to just how I, you know, how I come across the horn or, you know, just, you know, just blending in with the band, blending in with my attitude with the rest of the band, because, you know, the rest of the band is older. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Uh, you know, just all those kind of things, you know? Uh, you know, I think a lot of people just think about touring. I was like, yeah, man, you got your hotel paid for, you got your flights paid for, you got your vans to wherever y'all gotta go. But like, there's a lot more that goes into that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, it's all about your energy. How well do people like you? You know, how well do they like your sound? How well do they like your personality? You know what I'm saying? That's that's a lot of stuff that a lot of people don't really talk about. Yeah. Because you know, people think, oh, they had touring. You get to go all these places. You get paid a lot of money. All right, yeah, that's cool too. That has its perks. Mm-hmm. But it's still work at the end of the day. Yeah. So. That's uh, that's kind of my preparation into going into a, a major thing like Patti LaBelle. Mm-hmm. As as a bass player, I've never really experienced being in a horn section. Right. That's a very different different thing, especially as a, as an inner voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you explain what what that that's like, and what kind of like your process is going into like a sit- cold situation? Right. Philly is really well known for horn sections absolutely and um some some of my, some of my first moments of realizing when i first moved to philly the level of players is seeing like ernest stewart and Corey Riker just show up and sound like they've been playing in the band for mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. um so yeah what 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 is the horn section like being in a horse section like for explain to someone who's never experienced yeah that no problem so I well first off let's even break it down even further. So mm-hmm. I play saxophone. I think saxophone is like the easiest instrument to replicate a vocalist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? There's so many things that we can do on saxophone that we can like you know that a vocalist can do as well, and that's why I kind of think. Plus like the, you know the the saxophone itself is kind of like an easier instrument to learn. You know, trumpet and trombone they have a lot of stuff with their lips they got to worry about and all that kind of stuff. But saxophone we don't got to worry about all that kind of stuff. So we can just worry about how well our sound 
can be. So when it comes to being in a horn section, you know, I kind of view it like being background singers. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Uh, you know, so there's three, you know, Patty's horn section is three, but you know, you can have a horn section as big as, you know, three, four, five, whatever, whatever the instrumentation you want it to be. And pretty much, you know, you're literally the sugar and spice to the songs. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to play, you don't want to overplay because, you know, it'll take away from the actual vo vocals. You know what I'm saying? You really just want to just lay there and just kind of act like, all right, where can I kind of fit in? Where can I kind of let the three, four, five of us kind of do what we do in our harmonies and our sound and our, our blend and all that kind of stuff? How can we just contribute that to the song? Because at the end of the day, you know, it's a big piece of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Every You know, everybody has their own part, you know, yet. This guy, this guy, this guy, this guy that has their own piece of the puzzle, their own recipe mm -hmm. or their own ingredient to the pot of stew or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But, you know, so it's essentially where do you where are you going to fit? You know what I'm saying? And luckily for me, ever since like later high school and definitely all throughout college, uh, I've been doing a lot, a lot of different horn section stuff, both jazz and, and not jazz. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Uh, I think we're probably one of my first horn sections I've ever heard, believe it or not, was Art Bleak and the Jazz Messengers. Mm -hmm. You know, Freddie Hubbard, Wayne Shorter, Curtis Fuller. You know what I'm saying? And the way they kind of just did their thing, you know? And then obviously how I continued and kind of transferred my realm into the R&B and contemporary scene, you know what I'm saying? It's pretty much the same thing, you know what I'm saying? In fact, I'm not even gonna say it is the same thing, you know what I'm saying? We all have our ingredients, we all have our piece of the puzzle, we're all just trying to come together. So, that's kind of how I approach it. Yeah. I wanna switch gears for a second. Okay. And talk about fashion. Fashion? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I wanna mention, everything's killing yes because i think that is first i think it's killing and thank you I, and i think it's a great idea and i want i want to know where that came from i've seen it around town i've seen you uh, wearing the shirts yep um could you explain to people what it is and how it came to be so everything's killing is my brand my clothing line uh i have t-shirts and hoodies uh it's pretty much a quote everything's killing with my last name onto it uh i've been doing it for about two years now uh, how it came about actually was, you know, when I really, you know, was starting to dip my feet into, you know, the different scenes here in Philly and get myself to know a lot of different people, you know, I would say, you know, I got that, that slang, you know, oh man, this is killing, oh, check out that cat, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> some cats aren't really hip to that kind of yeah. stuff. And some people, you know, they would think, is that jazz talk? You know, man, yo, Turf, stop talking that jazz talk. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is regular musician talk. And you know, one person starts clowning me for it, the next person starts clowning me for it. Like I'm like, oh yo, man, like y'all really never heard this slang before, this musician slang? Mm -hmm. Like, come on, like y'all all said killing before, like get out of here. So after a while, you know, I was always trying to think about ways to brand myself and I figured, you know, turn a negative into a positive. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So with all those people that would make fun of me because of the way I talk, I started making t-shirts and within a month of me selling them, it went international. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's kind of how it came out to be. Uh, you know, I'm still selling shirts. I think you know all musicians or all artists should have something on the side that you know mm -hmm. their side hustle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, for me, I like wearing clothes. I always like looking good. I always like looking fly. You know, whether it comes to the watches I wear or the shoes that I wear or the mm -hmm. fedora I wear. You know what I'm saying? Because like you know, I'm on stage and people are gonna remember you by how you look. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And I know people always say that, but you know, it's definitely a fact. And uh, you know, you know. I never thought one day I can just wake up and be like, yo, I feel like wearing my own clothes. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So that's how it came about. And I'm still selling them today. So yeah. I'm still, you know, shipping orders, still getting, still receiving orders. So it's going good. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully by the end of the year, we're going to extend to, you know, sweatpants. So be on the lookout for that. Nice.
Yeah. Yeah, I had a um, the previous episode of the podcast had Tim Warfield on. Hey. And we talked about fashion fashion for a while. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I feel like a, th- a thing I get from non-musicians uh-huh. a lot that go to see jazz is they will comment a lot on the band's either presence or lack of presence. Right. And I, I feel like that's like a, a really good way into expanding audiences. Exactly. I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like, how do you want to be remembered? Yes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, Roy Hargrove, probably mm-hmm. not only one of the dopest trumpeters mm-hmm. that, you know, may he rest in power, that was here, but, you know, him, him himself, you know what I'm saying? Like, I've never seen anybody with an Armani suit on and, like, Jordan's on their feet. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. And then he would have his old big band, like, wear the same outfit when they do tours and shows mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That's dope. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, like, that is another, you know, example of, like, how he, you know, was kind of portrayed and how he was seen, you know, mm-hmm. uh, outside the instrument. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, it's always good to, you, you know, everybody can play. But, like, you know, it's always that one little thing that can, like, all right, what's, what's going to separate you from everybody else? Yeah. Type situation. So. You mentioned Roy Hargrove. Uh, I caught probably about half your set at uh, Center City Jazz Fest. Yes. And um, it was killing. Thank you very much. And Thank you. Yeah, we did a tribute to Roy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, I would have stayed for the whole thing, but I had to had to. I'm about to say, you get, played too, right? I did, yeah. Uh-huh. So I had to like run over there. And right. Also, people were borrowing my bass all day. So I was, Ooh, I was just like. Backline. It was a fun, <laughs> it was a fun uh, day of just like. Oh, I gotta run my bass over to here, and then I'm gonna go check out Mark Carey over here, and then uh-huh. I gotta pick up my bass. And you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. I remember I actually flew in. Uh, that day was a lot for me. Uh, I just came from another Patty situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, my flight was at 5:55 a.m. Got to Philly <laughs> at seven. Yeah. And yeah, so I hear you on that. That was a lot was just going on that day. But thank you for checking out the set. That yeah, was it was it was great. And. Um, Nathan Pence was playing bass. Yep, my man. Mm-hmm. I had the whole James St. Angel trio yep. back me up. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so you did a, a Roy Hargrove tribute. Uh, can you speak a little bit about uh, his influence on you? Man, Roy was such a beautiful cat. First off, such a well-diverse cat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Not only was he well seen in the jazz realm, but like, you know, his first Grammy was a Latin Grammy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, you know, now, you know, so he can do jazz, he can do Latin, you know, his vibe with the R.H. Factor. And he was also key Soulquarian. You know what I'm saying? Rocking out with Questlove and Erica Badu and Common and, you know, D'Angelo. You know, when I was doing my research, you know, when I was in high school about just different horn players and I just was looking up Roy and I was just seeing all the different things he's done throughout the years. I was like, wow, this is super inspiration. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I just gained so much uh, knowledge just by, you know, his sound. You know, he has a lot of history in his sound. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can tell, you know, he was all about the Clifford and all that kind of stuff. But he was also, you know. I remember watching like all these RH Factor stuff on YouTube and he would they would do like Funkadelic songs. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, yo, like that's just so dope. And he would sing too. And he would have other vocalists like Renee Nuffield. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. But uh, it was just so amazing. Like, in fact, I remember his last show in Philly. I think it was like a month or two before he passed at South. And he was like so nice. We actually sat in. He did a Monday, Tuesday situation at South. He pulled up Monday night. I didn't see the show. But he pulled up to a Man Man's jam session at Parkside at 15th and Arch. Mm-hmm. Just came through. I remember they extended the jam session. Usually it's done by like 1 o'clock. But they yeah. extended it because they found out he was here. And I was playing. I was the only horn player there. And all of a sudden it was just me and him rocking out. I was nervous, man. Yeah. Oh, my God. But, you know, he was so cool. And then he was like, yeah, come to the show tomorrow. You know, you know, maybe you can sit in and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I pulled up. 
Luke O'Reilly was with me, mm-hmm. and he had me sit in with him. Luke sat in with him. He also had Chris Lewis mm-hmm. uh, sat in with him. And who's on drums? Uh, Keon Williams from okay. West Philly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And he was just the dopest cat. Like he was just yeah. so kind and genuine. And you know, I remember I forgot the name of the ballad that he played that night, but it was just probably I'm not even going to try to remember what he played because yeah. <laughs> I already forgot it anyway. But like it was just the most beautiful like just sound. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like. I remember I was listening. I was like thinking to myself, like, "Yo, that is how a ballad is supposed to be played." Yeah, you know what I'm saying he was just a beautiful cat, and uh, ever since his passing, and I would go to different shows in Philly. I didn't see a lot of people do, and by I didn't see a lot of people, I didn't see anybody do a tribute to Roy. And when Ernest asked me to do the Center City Festival, I was like, "Yes, I'm gonna do it." And I'm also pay tribute to Roy. Yeah. So it was just only right. So uh, you mentioned uh, doing doing your research on on the horn players. Do you mm-hmm. have a uh, specific way about going about that or is it just just kind of listening to I mean just go I mean just listen to as much as you can listen to you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying uh, in the words of James Poyser stay current mm-hmm. while also knowing your history you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. so it's cool that you're checking out Chris Potter and all these cats now but like people like them want to be you know who they are without people like Homer Hawkins and Dexter mm-hmm. and Train and Bird and you know the list goes on and on so it's all about just taking in as much as you can and realizing uh who they were influenced by you know what i'm saying because like you can tell a lot of people from when they play you know you kind of hear like wow that sounds like a lot like this that sounds a lot like that and it's all because they actually put in the research mm-hmm. uh they put into time to actually like you know understand those records understand those sounds understand those solos understand the language pretty much because that's what it all is music mm-hmm. is a language and uh just you know just taking the time for all that kind of stuff and then putting their own spin on that and then having that be their sound so mm-hmm. You also mentioned when you're playing with, uh, sitting in with Roy Hargrove, that you're nervous. Yes. How how do you work through that? Understand. I mean, you know, we all get nervous. You know what I'm saying. So just understand that you just got pushed through it, and you know, mm-hmm. understand why you're there. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, everything has a purpose. You know, there's always a reason for everything. Uh, there's a reason why you know I was on stage with Roy. There was a reason why he was nice enough to let me sit in. Mm-hmm. So just you know, just take in that moment, and you know, thank God for it. And, uh, you know, it's just music at the end of the day. You know, we're just chilling. We're just vibing. We're just having a good time. You know, we're not trying to go to the moon or anything like that. So. <laughs> Released a video series. Yes. Of a couple a couple songs. Yes. Um, James Santangelo, uh, Matt Kepler, yes. Kyrie, mm-hmm. Abdul Shahid. That was recorded. Was that at, that was recorded at UArts? Yes, the Kaplan Kaplan Recital Hall. Yeah, I thought it looked familiar. It's really well done. Thank I highly you. recommend everyone to check it out. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of the clips on your Instagram page. Yep. Are the full versions? All up, full versions or, are out uh, on like YouTube. Yep. Cool. Mm-hmm. Where did you? Where did that idea come from? And how did how did that all come together? Uh, well, I've actually done another video before those two videos I put out. I actually did a video before that with James and the trio. Uh, with some special guests, Aaron Good on trombone uh, at Kaplan Recital Hall. We actually covered Speak No Evil. Uh, we pretty much did that, did some court, uh, reharms, put a backbeat behind it. You know, did that too. I actually checked the other day. It actually, has over eleven thousand nice. views on Instagram. I mean, uh, uh, YouTube. YouTube. I was like, dang, this is crazy. People actually like listening to jazz. This is dope. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, after that, I didn't necessarily take a break uh, from taking videos or uh, filming videos. But uh, I was in grad school at the time, and there was just a lot of stuff that was going uh, that, that was going down in grad school. So unfortunately, I didn't have time to do that. So I figured this year I might as well just do two videos mm-hmm. because you know my essentially the goal was to put out a video a year. 
but last year I couldn't do it because you know the workload I just had at school was just over mm-hmm. over the top and I I had other stuff that you know was in the way but uh, yeah so I did two videos we've recorded both on the same day and the songs were J Mac and by Kenny Garrett and Supernatural by King um, me and James have been collaborating a lot you know within the past couple years doing a lot of different shows doing a lot of different performances and uh, you know when I was thinking about trying to put my album out which it will be out soon mm-hmm. uh, you know in fact let's even back it up a little bit I actually applied for the Kimmel Center jazz composer residency mm-hmm. uh, and hope you know and hope to kind of get my record done through there yeah. you know my concept would be based off of Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours yeah and uh, when they were like all right cool that's fine but you need you need collaborators and you know I don't really do a lot of things with poets and mm-hmm. dancers and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I did back in college, but like I didn't want to do it for there. I was thinking, I was like, yo, how about I just have a really, 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 really amazing band back me up? And the first person I thought of was James and his trio. I mean, they're at Chris's every single Saturday, just tearing it mm-hmm. up. So, and unfortunately, I wasn't awarded the the uh, residency. But I was like, you know, what? it don't even matter because I can still do some stuff with James. So yeah. we started doing that. We started recording some more videos, and uh, you know, just kept on going from there. So. The recording of J Mac yes. really struck me because, first of all, I love Kenny Garrett, mm-hmm. but I also hear um, I feel like you both have this like joyful sound mm-hmm. that is really appealing to me. How has Kenny Garrett's music influenced you? Kenny Garrett's such a beautiful cat. Uh, his music was so inspiration. Uh, so much inspiration mm-hmm. uh you know just i feel like when he plays he's singing yeah you know what i'm saying and just like what i said before when you're asking about horn sections and all that kind of stuff and how i feel like we're like background singers kenny garrett is the singer you know what mm-hmm. i'm saying the way he just carries melodies and the way he carries his phrasing is just something that you know everybody really wants to try and emulate mm-hmm. and you know whether you play alto sax, it doesn't really matter what kind of saxophone you play we can all learn something from kenny and you know there's a lot of history in the sound there's a lot of culture in the sound uh, you know, there's just so much to be taken away from him that uh, is definitely beneficial for a lot of different people. Yeah. He's definitely, you know, my top five alto saxophonists of today. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't even got no much to say. Yeah. Like, you know, that the actual record, I forgot the name of the record, but the actual record that J-Mac was on, yeah, I remember, I think me and James, we were coming from somewhere and we were just playing that over, that mm-hmm. record over and over again. And James loves to rewind. He loves to, yo, did you hear that? <laughs> rewind. Yo, did you hear that again? I'm going to play that again for you. Rewind. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And uh, we were thinking, I was like, yo, that song, that song is pretty dope. Yeah. You know, kind of got that, like, you know, the whole little passion dance kind of mm-hmm. vibe, the whole vamp and everything like that. So it was only right. And uh, yeah, I think, we, I think we only did one take of that song. That's crazy. So, but yeah, Kenny Garrett's amazing. So, yeah. Much love to him. Yeah, absolutely. He, side story, the name of this podcast, Voice Equals Power, uh-huh. came to me while listening to a Kenny Garrett record. Oh, wow. And it just, it, he just sounded so, he was playing so joyously. Mm-hmm. And it got, I was kind of in this, this kind of like dark place, just like kind of wondering like, you know, with all the problems of the world, like, what am I doing? And um, it kind of came to me that if Kenny Garrett had a superpower, it would be his artistic voice, his voice on his horn. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's his power. His voice equals his power. You know? Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's been a, a, a mantra of mine ever since, and it's the name of the podcast. 
getting back to the uh, James Santangelo trio, mm-hmm. I feel like they're a great match for you, obviously. But just kind of in general, what do you look for in a rhythm section? For yeah, in a rhythm section. Well, the rhythm section got to learn how to play together with themselves first. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, I'm sure we've all been in jam session situations or just other musical situations where the rhythm section wasn't playing. And whether you're the front guy or the side guy, you know, horn guy backing up the vocalist, it just messes up everything. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The foundation has to be strong. And luckily with the James St. Angelo Trio, they've been doing every Saturday at Christmas for who knows how long. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they already have that, that unit, that sound, that togetherness. You know what I'm saying? So when I was t- looking for bands for that that residency that I didn't get, I was like, well, let's see, I'm my own unit. Mm-hmm. James and his crew's a unit. Yeah. We can do some serious damage that way. So, and do, do one of the best things I love about uh, his trio, that they're so diverse. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I literally pulled a King song to them and I was like, look guys, you know, I don't know how y'all feel about this, but like, I really feel like doing this cover. I can do yeah. an arrangement. And they were like, yo, that's cool. I was like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> now, like, what's cool for me is that like looking ahead when I actually like you know when it's time to actually get into the studio to get the record done uh, I know like what what we can do together mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff and you know you know I'm, I'm you know it's cool to have you know different rhythm sections but like you know I don't really like I call it the stagnant rhythm section the rhythm section that can only do like one kind of thing yeah you know I'm saying or like it's the stagnant musicians yo I only play this kind of music mm-hmm. I only do this kind of stuff you know and not to talk about myself but like you know I do I've done jazz gigs I've done hip-hop gigs I've done gospel gigs I've done all different kinds of, literally all kinds of gigs, except mm-hmm. for country. I, mm-hmm. Country music is not really my genre. But either way, you know, when I find bands and rhythm sections, I want to find someone that can help me express myself as much as I can ha- have them do their thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, we all got to play together. You know, it's all a big story that we got to tell. Uh, and, you know, and I just love working with them because we can just feed off each other a lot. Yeah. So That's one of the things that really was appealing to me when I moved to Philly. Mm-hmm. Everybody I knew in Philly, which wasn't that many people, but at the time, um, but everybody I knew played in, played jazz, and they played in some, like, weird, weird, like, math rock band, and they, you know, they played in, like, you know, Mm -hmm. gospel groups and church gigs and, like, everything. Absolutely. And uh, I really, really have appreciated that musical diversity in Philadelphia. I feel like it doesn't exist or may not exist as much in other other places. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, it's uh, no matter what they do, uh, you still got that authenticity of it. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That's why I love playing with Kyrie because like no matter if we're, yeah. we're playing like you know, uh, you know, medium tempo song or a fast tempo John or you know some backbeat type situation, you know, he'll still grab that authenticity mm-hmm. of just capturing that uh, the sound. Yeah. So, much love to all those guys. Yeah. So. Absolutely. What? Is your practice routine like now? Okay. What was it like more in school ish? Uh-huh. And kind of like how has it evolved over time? Uh, okay. Well, let's back it up. So, when I was in school, first things first, I had a lot more time to practice. Yeah. yeah. You know, I remember because I went to UArts and I commuted from UArts since my sophomore year. Freshman year, I was on campus. And then from sophomore year, I had to go back and forth to save money. Uh, but I remember even when I would go back and forth home, I wouldn't go home at night. I would literally, like, let's say I get done class at like six, five, six or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll grab dinner and I'll literally stay in the practice room from like seven, eight to probably three or four o'clock in the morning. And then I would sleep in my first class that I had the next day. And then I would literally have my professor wake me up like, hey, 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 
Henry, it's time for, to get to class. And I'll wake up and I see all my classmates behind me. I was like, oh, snap. I literally just hit, like stayed the whole night in the Marion Theater. But, uh, yeah, so my time was a lot more, I just had more time. Uh, back then, I definitely dug into a lot more classical material uh, just to kind of refine my dexterity on the horn, refine my, my, just my own sound uh, in all registers of the instrument. Uh, you know, I would definitely do like a, a new standard a week type situation and try to 12 key it. So like try getting through every single key. Uh, do a lot of different metronome tricks. Uh, sometimes like if, let's say I'm trying to learn, like, you know, I don't know, uh, I close my eyes or something like that. And I have, I would hook the metronome up. First off, shout out to your arts practice rooms because they actually have a speaker where you can plug up your phone and you can get the metronome happening through the speaker. <laughs> so you don't have to put it in your headphones in, which that's dope. Yeah. So I would do different metronome tricks. So sometimes if I have the metronome on two and four, I'm like, Mike Pro actually taught me this. All right, cool. Take that off. Let's see how well you can do if the metronome is only on beat four. All right, see how good your timing is. See if you're going to stay in that pocket. All right, cool. Let's see how well you is if you're going to get the downbeat every other measure and still try and play lines, you know, to just make sure. Because, like, you know, when you play solos and you play phrases, you got to make sure your feel is together. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, those little metronome tricks, I think I benefited the most because yeah. going into UArts, you know, I had a decent vocabulary. I didn't really have a lot of standards under my, under my belt, but, you know, I still, like, can get around. You know what I'm saying? Looking at what Mike Semprola, he definitely taught me, a, like, you know, okay, look, feel. So that still has to feel good. You know what I'm saying? So I did a lot of different metronome things. I mean, nowadays, I still do a lot of those kinds of things to make sure I still kind of got that feel under my fingers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, what I do more now than I did before, I would just play along to records because, uh, you know, learning how it's like to kind of play with Jimmy Cobb behind you and all that kind of stuff. I think that's very important as well. You know, I still have like different books and all that kind of stuff, like the Furling A2s and, you know, different jazz pattern books that I try to get done. Uh, I'm still trying to do like a tune a week, even though it's getting harder and harder nowadays because you know, I'm just starting lo- losing more time because of this whole adulting thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm still trying to do that. You know, more difficult songs now, like songs that you typically do, typically don't hear at uh, jam sessions. Mm-hmm. Just kind of had that under your belt. Some doubling as well, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I mean, I do a couple of musical theater here uh, things here and there. Not really as much, but uh, you know, I'm still trying to get some clarinet and flute stuff under my fingers, under my mouth as well. And uh, yeah, I try to make some room for writing. Try to make some room for piano. Uh, try to make room for like you know all those other kind of like you know. All right, my intonation is not really good. How can I fix that? You know what I'm saying? Whether pulling on a, a cello drone or something like that, just kind of make sure my intonation is good. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know, there's not really one specific regimen that you know me or any other musician has to strictly follow. But you know, it's kind of just realizing, especially now since I don't have time, is about quality, not quantity. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? All right, it's cool. I practice six hours a day, but sometimes you can get more done in two hours than you can in six. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's all about kind of just how well you use your time. So that's kind of how I kind of go about uh, practicing back in the day and back in the day, acting like I'm some old <laughs> from back then and now. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's an interesting transition for musicians from school yeah. to, to real world where you're a lot more what you're practicing is dictated by like what your gig is. Like you have mm-hmm. this gig coming up, you gotta you gotta learn these things. Yeah, it's not. I mean, to me, it's not even about that. It's just about like you know making sure your foundation is good for those different mm-hmm. opportunities. You know what I'm saying? So like even sight reading. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I mean, I, I feel bad for saying this. I I don't really sight read as much in my practice now than I did when I was in school. But since I did it a lot when I was in school, 
I have a strong foundation. So when I go into a situation like Patti LaBelle, when I had all these different trusts to me that was not sent until the day of sound check, I'm like, all right, cool. I can get around it because I have a strong foundation of uh, sight reading. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, music is a language. You know, we talk music through our instruments. Uh, we read music. Uh, we listen. You know, it's literally a language. So it's all about making sure you're proficient in that. So. What were some of the ways in which you um, built the foundation for sight reading? Built the foundation for sight reading? Uh, there was one particular website that I don't even think is around anymore. I think it was called like sightreadingfactory.com. Yeah, it's like it's still around. Oh, it's still around. All right, mm -hmm. good, good, good. So I remember when I was, and the cool, one of my favorite things about that, that thing is uh, you can literally set your own time signature, mm -hmm. set your own key signature, set your own tempo, set your own amount of bars you want to put on and like kind of read that kind of joint i thought that was like probably one of the dopest things that ever came out yeah you know and uh i would just be on there all the time i'd be like all right my eye time is not really good all right i'm gonna set it to this time uh mm -hmm. signature at this pace at in this key you know what i'm mm -hmm. saying because you know some people although they you know great improvisers and all that kind of stuff you put a chart in front of them they can't really read it mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying or they can read it and they just gonna do like you know i call it stupid errors like you know oh key signatures you're not reading your key signatures or you're not reading this basic rhythm right you know what i'm saying or you're not reading this repeat right you know what i'm saying so it's really those kind of errors that kind of mess up really good situations you know what i'm saying like i love listening to big band music you know i remember when i was growing up orange evans captain black big band was actually a full big band with a full saxophone section full trombone section and it was so cool and you know we still got some big bands today but like sometimes you know when i walk into chris's and i hear like a you know someone missing a repeat or something like that it's just like oh you know what I'm saying? Like, pay attention to those small things. You know what I'm saying? You can fix rhythms. Anybody can fix rhythms. You can fix pitch. Anybody can fix pitch. But those kind of things, you really, especially if you got to play together mm -hmm. in a section, you know, that's really something I think everybody should take more uh, of a concentration on. Mm -hmm. So that's how I view it. If you could create and teach your own I would say like college level or like maybe like master's level course you can totally design it to whatever whatever you think needs to be taught or isn't being taught right uh -huh. what would it be uh, it would definitely be a business course yeah because that's the biggest thing that's lacking from these institutions uh -huh. you know we have a lot of great institutions with a lot of great players they leave their schools they have no idea excuse me, they have no idea what they're doing. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? And I was in that same boat, you know? I mean, I was doing a lot of different things with a lot of different people when I was in uh, college, but I didn't really understand the business. I didn't yeah. really understand how to negotiate contracts. I didn't know how to, you know, I didn't know what, you know, 1099s was. I don't mm -hmm. know how, I don't know how this tax stuff came into the the music realm i didn't know how to you know write off stuff i didn't know i didn't know any of that stuff mm -hmm. especially when it comes to tax because like woo -wee, yeah. they're gonna get you <laughs> yeah, they, they are. are gonna get you yep and now luckily the older because you know stuff like that you kind of kind of learn as you go you mm -hmm. know what i'm saying and luckily the older i got i've gotten to know a lot of different people that you know their their forte is finance and they can help me out with like mm -hmm. all right well you gotta do this you gotta do that you watch out for this watch out for that save this save that all that kind of thing so it would definitely be a business course because you know freelancing is not always the easiest thing well it's not it's not the easiest thing you know what i'm saying and you know 
we're we're getting older we have a lot of responsibilities you know there's a lot of things we gotta you know we gotta keep a roof over our head we gotta make sure we're well fed we have chance we get you know we have our cars that we gotta pay off and all that kind of stuff we have loans we gotta pay off mm -hmm. so if there is like a business course and a finance course for musicians too that i can put together i don't know exactly what that curriculum would be mm -hmm. but at least for business it would definitely be like all right well this is how you go about you know negotiating contracts this is how you go about you know uh invoices this is how you go about all that kind of stuff because literally i had no idea what any of that stuff was until i was put in that situation to do it yeah you know what i'm saying and you know i hate to ask well what is this what is that you know it's just you know i would definitely do something like that because yeah. it's great that all these institutions have like you know improv class ear training classes blah blah blah, blah. that's dope and that's definitely that's yeah. definitely necessary too mm -hmm. but that's not everything yeah absolutely you know so that's what I would do. Absolutely. I've seen many, like, promising musicians, I would say, either get sidetracked or delayed in their career because mm -hmm. of they can't mm -hmm. manage their lives. Yeah. There's yeah. a lot of musicians that I know that, you know, they, they tour with, you know, legendary people, top pop artists today, top jazz artists today. They go on tour. They travel the world. You know, they get, you know, expert amount per diem per day. Mm -hmm blah 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 they get this paper show this you know whatever and they come home and they literally blow everything in a month mm -hmm. that's sad yep. that's actually sad and like you know these are people that like you know oh my god this person's an og do you know how this person sounds on, on the bass and piano all this kind of stuff i'm like that's great but this guy is struggling mm -hmm. to live you know what mm -hmm. i'm saying i mean i'm not gonna put nobody's business out there but like you know that stuff yep. that that stuff does it it, it exists mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying and if we just, as a musician community, just kind of like look out for one, uh, one another yeah. in terms of that kind of thing, so like we can definitely level up in yeah. that uh, that field. Because you know, no one wants to like, you know, come back home after a, an amazing couple months on the road and have nothing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? That's that that shouldn't be a thing. Absolutely. So we just gotta look out for each other more, and we just gotta take more uh, responsibility in our own mm -hmm. selves with stuff like that. So. Absolutely. So tonight you just came back into town from yes. you know with, with Patty Labelle. Yes. Um, so tonight you're playing at at South Jazz Kitchen mm -hmm. um, for your weekly jam session. Tuesday night jam session. Tuesday night jam session. Yes. So you're running this. Yes, along with Chelsea Reed. Around, along with Chelsea Reed, mm -hmm. uh, could you kind of explain to people what it is and maybe like how how it came about? Sure. Uh, so Tuesday night jam session jam session that I do at South every single Tuesday night from 7 to 11 it's a free event uh, you can just come in walk in uh, enjoy some dinner enjoy some drinks and if you have your horn you can sit in with the band uh, the main goal of this jam session uh, me and Chelsea just always want to highlight the the legacy and the culture here of Philadelphia music because you know it kills us to hear people be like oh I don't know where to hear jazz in Philly mm -hmm. jazz is dead in Philly well no it's not and you know what's crazy? A lot of people that come in and sit in are under the age of 30. So we have a lot of young cats that are doing their thing out here in Philly. And, you know, we use the platform of Tuesday Night Jam Session to just kind of just showcase it. Uh, how it came about was one of the managers, Harry. In fact, let's back it up even further. Mm -hmm. And mind you, I've been going to Tuesday Night, well, at the time it was called Art of the Sessions, with Luke O'Reilly. I call him MD. I was going there consistently and, you know, got in good with the managers. And they all know what I do. Uh, one of the people, her name is Toya. She actually runs Insomnia Philly. At the time, she did things with South. She was like, uh, hey, James Porter's is doing a thing at Green Soul. Can you, can you come by real quick? I need to talk to you. I was like, yeah, I can come by. So she told me the situation. She was like, look, they need a band this Wednesday. Can you put something together? I was like, sure. 
I originally wanted to have the James St. Angelo Trio, but not all the members could do it. So I had, my vision section was Corey Bernhard from Killian Shakespeare, Nathan Pence, and Kyrie. Mm -hmm. Great gig. During the show though, all of the management was sitting in the back and they kind of just had this look on their face like, hmm, this guy? Okay, cool. And I, I was noticing that, I was like, I don't know what the hell that is, but I'm just let it go. A week later, one of the managers, Harry, called me. I don't know how the hell he got my number, but he called me. And he was like, hey, this is uh, Harry from South. Uh, we want to have a meeting with you. I'm like, okay. So I came into South. I was like, all the management team, they were like, look, we loved your show on Wednesday. It was really, really great. We feel like you will be a great uh, leader for our Tuesday classic jazz uh, jam session. And I was like, well, why is that? Like, I mean, I did do jam sessions in Philly before, but like, mm -hmm. I don't run jam sessions like that. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I was like, why do you want me to do it? And they were like, well, here's the thing. Not enough, not enough young people take advantage of our free nights. Mm -hmm. So we feel like with you, you can bridge in the older community and the younger community and have them all come together. Mm -hmm. I was like, hmm, let me think about it. And I still said no. <laughs> it took two months of like two it's like a month and a half or two months for them to like convince me to do it because like I, I was literally covering after luke mind yeah. you he had that vibe up top yeah you sure. know what i'm saying uh -huh. like he knew how to run that jam session because he's been doing it forever you know what yep. i'm saying so i was like me nah never so after a month and a half or two months of convincing i was like all right fine i'll do it and originally uh i didn't have chelsea in mind at the time so as we were keep on talking about the logistics of the jam session, they were like, well, are you going to have a vocalist with you? I'm like, I mean, I can try. I mean, I don't really work with singers a lot. And I was like, oh, wait, let me ask Chelsea. Let me ask Chelsea. Because like Chelsea's working. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. She's doing her thing. You know, she's about to go on tour with her band. And I was like, look, Chelsea, here's the thing. South asked me to take over Tuesday nights. I need a vocalist to join me. You'll be my co-partner. You, you know, you can have your say and like who can we, who we book and all that kind of stuff. I just need someone. And she said yes. And I was like, all right, cool. Mind you, me and Chelsea have never worked together before. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy, right? Yeah. So, but it's been great. We've been doing it since February. We're about to hit our six month anniversary uh, next week. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of special guests coming through for that. Uh, so it's been great. There's been a lot of different cats that came through and uh, did the, you know, just came through and hung. I remember like Jeff Bradshaw came one time. Jimmy Butler just pulled up south during our tuesday night jam session one time we we're like what that's crazy <laughs> so it's been great i mean a lot of young it's a lot younger it's a lot fresher uh but honestly it's something that the music community needs you know what i'm yeah. saying it's great that we had all those people from before that are older doing it but at the same time you gotta there, there's some point where you gotta pass down the torch absolutely you know and uh you know this is a great opportunity you know me and chelsea you know like what i said before we're both under the age of 30. uh you know we have a different house band every week uh, of like younger musicians and you know all we like what I said before all we want to do is uh, continue the legacy and the culture and the the power of just great Philadelphia music and you know it's been going great and uh, stay tuned because we will announce all of our special guests for our six month anniversary next week very cool thank you um, is there I just want to kind of wrap up real quick with um, just how people can find you what's the best way for people to find you reach out to you see what you're up to in the future i am on all social media platforms my instagram and my twitter is at henry underscore turf 26 h-e-n-r-y underscore t-i-r-f-e 26 i do have an artist page on facebook you can just type in henry turf dash artist page uh and you'll pop up uh my artist page is actually connected to my instagram mm -hmm. so all my posts on my instagram you can see on my uh, artist page i do have a website as well 
I update it as frequently as I can with all upcoming dates that I have coming up. And that is www.hodoriturf. I use my government name for that. Mm-hmm. .org. So H-I-R-U-Y-T-I-R-F-E dot O-R-G. So that's where you can find me. Harry Turf, thanks so much yes, for sir. hanging with me. Thank you, man. This is dope. Thanks again for listening, everybody. For me, this series is a labor of love. My goal is to help document the making of jazz history in this moment. If you have any suggestions about who you would like to hear on this show, drop me a line. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon.